thank you for being with us today on the Parenting Pathway podcast. I have to slow down whenever I announce our name of our podcast. It's a bit of a tongue twister, but I'm glad you're with us today. Uh, my name is Nathan Kosurik. I am the student pastor at Stonebriar Community Church, filling in for our usual host, Dave Carl. I'm here today with author David Moreau. Is that how I, did I pronounce it correctly, David? Yes, you did. Great. And you have written a new book called Drowning in Screen Time. Drowning in Screen Time. Uh, why, why did you write this book? Well, uh, I have worked in the screen industry for almost four decades and uh, was just I mean, I'm aware of the tricks that those of us that are in the screen entertainment business use to engage you in screens. And of course, everywhere you go, you see people completely absorbed in their screens, not experiencing real life. They're experiencing life through their screens. And so I felt uh, it was time. The time was right to address this issue specifically to Christians who seem to be missing out on real life and are completely absorbed in screen life. Yeah, you know, I think we can all resonate with that. I think that was the problem I had with the book, David. It, it just cut a little too close to home. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, of course, I, I started sharing some of the things that you wrote with um, my wife and, and my kids. And one of my teenage sons now calls you the scary screen guy. Mm, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I really want to get into some of these topics in, in the book. Uh, but some of the things that really jumped off the page and, and stood out to me were perhaps things that, um, that, that maybe you didn't intend uh, to, to have such a, an impact on the reader or, or maybe, you know, maybe it did. I don't know. But one of the things that you said actually in the introduction uh, really grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. You said that um, that your father's screen obsession disgusted you. Uh, tell us what you meant by that. Uh, yeah, well, I was born in 1961, which was really the in 1960, 85 percent of U.S. homes had a television. In 1950, that was only 10%. So we saw this enormous adoption of television during the 1950s. And my dad was at the vanguard of that generation. Uh, He bought his first TV shortly before I was born. And, you know, they were expensive back then. So he had it on all the time. I mean, if if the Murrows were home and awake, the TV was on. And it really kind of impinged on our family life. We weren't looking at each other. We were looking at the boob tube, as it was called back then. Yeah, And so uh, really missed a lot of opportunities for family togetherness. Uh, it just, I felt like sometimes I couldn't even get my dad's attention or like he was uh, avoiding real life by in- absorbing himself in what was on his screen. So I kind of successfully avoided that. You know, I didn't watch much TV as a teen. I became a Christian at 15 and, uh, you know, started to read the Bible, attend Bible studies, uh, go on mission trips, the things young Christian men do. And I thought, you know, I'm, I, able, I even went into the TV business, which was an odd, odd choice for a guy whose father was a screen addict. But I thought, you know, yeah. I actually produce as much TV as I watch. So it's not a big issue. But then my, my addiction came calling when Wi-Fi 
rolled out in the early 2000s. In 2003, I bought a PowerBook G4 computer from Apple and it had this thing called Wi-Fi, airport, they called it. Yeah. And you could sit there on your laptop and you could just surf the web. And I found that irresistible. Mm-hmm. You know, my father's television brought in maybe five, six, seven channels, but my laptop brought in hundreds of channels of information. Yeah. And it was just irresistible to me. I like keeping up on current events. I like following the news. And before I knew it, I was logging more hours of screen time than my dad. And so I felt like I really needed to back off from that after my family kind of intervened with me and said, dad, you're here, but you're not here. Oh, wow. So when, when they brought that up, it it must've hit you like a ton of bricks after your own experience with your own father. Oh, you know, I was in denial for a while. Oh, how dare you? You know, I provide you with a good living, blah, blah, blah. All the lies we men tell ourselves. Yeah. But the fact is, you know, I really was ignoring them. I was using it to ignore my family just as my father had used his screens to ignore me and my mm-hmm. sister. So yeah. uh, that was a first, that first round of repentance was right there. And then I, then phones came out and I got addicted to a video game on my phone. And, you know, screens are just so, they worm their way into our lives so quickly and we give them so much of our attention. And we can talk about why in the next, if you want to ask me a great question about that, I'll, I'll, I'll build on that. But yeah, I feel I need to land this plane. If they, they worm their way in and they take more of our attention, we realize, and before we know it, we've given so much of our lives to them that we've neglected the things that are really important. Yeah, that's uh, definitely the the theme of the book. And and as I was um, I was going through it, I thought, oh, this is probably going to just um, really help a lot of people. Especially, you know, most of our listeners are probably wanting to know how to protect their kids from the dangers of of too much screen time and and how to navigate that battle, whether they have young kids and they're looking ahead and trying to figure out their own game plan going in, or if they're already kind of in the the midst of the drowning, you know, what do they do now? I think those are some of the, the questions and, and your book certainly has that. Uh, but before we really dig into some of those practical how-tos, I, I also just wanted to say how I found especially interesting some of the deeper heart issues that, um, you know, that really uh, rise to the surface. It's, it's like we're, we're talking about screens and the overuse or misuse or, you know, addiction to screens, Mm -hmm. but there are some real heart issues and and themes that, um, that jumped out at me. I'll, I'll give you a few and just give you a chance to, Okay. maybe comment on, on some of these things that I noticed, but um, you, you said that each new screen technology brings with it unexpected temptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they unexpected? What, what did you mean when you said unexpected temptations? Well, I mean, if you go back historically, we've had screens for 125 years now. The first movie presentation was 1896. It's 2021 now. We're actually in the 125th anniversary of screen time. And so for the first 50 years, the temptation was to spend a nickel or a dime going see a movie. You'd see a movie once a week. When screens came into our homes in the 1950s, the new temptations was to waste tons of time we began to see people's weight go up because they were not moving around as much. They were sitting on their couches uh, watching TV. So that's a new temptation. Uh, And then of course, when screens became interactive and we could manipulate things on the screen with video games and, 
and uh, VCRs, that kept us even more inactive. Of course, with interactive uh, screen technology came online pornography, and that's been a huge snare for a lot of men. You know, before screens, you had to kind of go to a seedy bookstore in a, you know, <laughs> a bad part of town to get your fix. And now you can just do these things to your brain from the anonymity of your, your own sofa. And so new temptations come in with each level of screen use. Each new technology brings with us, brings with it an opportunity to waste more and more of our time and to invest our time in things that are ultimately bad for us and bad for our families. Yeah. Yeah. Temptation, you know, is, is at the um, kind of at the heart of this, this whole battle with, with screen time. And, uh, and, and you've really got a couple of different um, emphases in, in the book. One is mm -hmm. how do we help other people, but then also, how do we deal with our own stuff, right? <laughs> well, and that's where, that's where it has to start. I mean, parents come to me and they say, you know, I can't talk to my kids. And, you know, they're, they're, they're in Fortnite, playing Fortnite seven hours a day. And if I try to get them to put down the controller, they scream at me. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the first thing I tell parents is, do you have your screen life in order? I mean, when you come home, do you immediately click on the television or do you pick up the game controller or are you constantly on your phone whenever you have a spare moment? Are you actually making eye contact with your kids or, is, or are your eyes totally focused on Instagram? Uh, it's, it's those spare moments really where the battle is won or lost. Yeah. Uh, I tell parents, you know, you've got to cut this mindless screen time. If the screen is just a part of the background of your life, or it's the thing you're constantly looking at when you have five seconds or 10 seconds, your kids are going to pick up on that. And they're going to realize that the screen, that's where, you, that's where adults go to uh, see the world. And so the first thing you need to do is get your act together. And then from that point, you can uh, you be in a position to enforce some rules with your kids uh, without being accused of being a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the story that Jesus told about, um, you know, uh, uh, tying up a, a strong man and, and, and throwing him out of your, your house yeah. only to have it replaced with, with seven more. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and this particular heart issue of, of just dealing with temptation, the thing that occurred to me was, okay, uh, mom and dad, so you do get the screen time. Let's say you get the screen time strongman thrown out of your house. What have you done to make sure there's not seven other things that are going to come in and, and take over? So there's this, um, this heart issue, right, behind the, the symptom of, of, of the screen time. Would, would you agree with that, that there's something uh, – kind of at a, a deeper level that also needs to be dealt with and not just the, the behavior uh, choices. Yeah. Screens. Well, I mean, I, I can't psychoanalyze you over Zoom here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, all of us have wounds that we bring in from our childhood and it's often easier to avoid dealing with those things. Yeah. And the, the avoidance strategy, of course, is, you know, we're going to watch TV or we're going to play video games or we're going to you know, we're going to, we're not going to deal with our wounds. We're going to not going to deal with our stuff. So I agree with you. There's often a, a, a strong underlying reason that we are afraid to 
interact with others and it's just easier to absorb ourselves in our screens. Yeah. You know, you were talking about your dad's habit of getting lost in, uh, in TV. Uh, my, my dad, uh, great, great man. Um, he, he passed, uh, Oh, maybe six or seven years ago. And today's his, his birthday. Actually, I was just thinking about him and, and, uh, he kind of had the, the opposite struggle, uh, if you can call it that, where he loved just to get outside and work. And um, I never understood, you know, as a, as a kid, I was like, dad, can we, can we just relax and, and watch a show? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, now I, I'm older and I understand some of the underlying motivations for him to not really ever sit and, and be with us, but always needing things to, to occupy his time and in other ways. So, you know, uh, dealing with that underlying temptation to not be present and to neglect the people around us. I think that's something all of us should really think about and consider. I, I also noticed something else that, that arose, uh, to the surface as I was reading through your mm-hmm. book, it, has a lot to do with the wise use of time, right? And, and focusing on godly priorities. And, and I don't think most moms and dads want to waste their time or neglect their kids or the important things. I don't think they set out to do that intentionally. So how does that end up happening? Well, uh, screens give you the illusion that you are doing things that matter. Yeah. When you when you play a video game, you get to engage in a simulated battle against evil. Now, the real battle against evil is taking place in your home. Yeah. But on screen, you can blast aliens and you can be, be the, become this heroic man uh, that you that and you can win the battle in an hour. And you and I both. Do you have children? Yes. Three. Yeah. So you and I both know the battle is not won in an hour when it comes to our kids. <laughs> Definitely not. So if at it, all. <laughs> right. Uh, Facebook or social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever your, whatever your platform is, Snapchat. These uh, platforms give us the illusion of community. Look at how many people I know. Look at how many friends I have. Look at, look at all this, this, this society, this group that's around me. You know, and that's great. It's great connecting with people online, but most of the people you know online, you'll never see again. Uh, most of us connect with old friends. You know, we keep up with distant relatives, but we're not building a network of people who will be there for us in our hour of need. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're neglecting the flesh and blood relationships around us at, because we have this illusion that we have this great community online. And, um, you know, I know this is really hard in the age of COVID and the lockdowns, and we're all locked in our houses trying to avoid spreading this disease. Uh, you know, it's, it's a nice substitute. But when we come out of this thing, we have got to press into real relationships. It's going to be hard to do real relationships because we're used to holding people at arm's length on yeah. the computer. We're used yeah. to ma- having this technology mediate our relationships. So if somebody says something that irritates us, we can just unfriend them. Yeah. We can't do that in real life. And so, you know, it's going to be tough. We're going to have a real challenge, even just going back to church and having to sit next to that person who sings out of key 
<laughs> oh gosh, it, it was so nice sitting in my pajamas, drinking coffee during church, you know, mm-hmm. the, the temptation is just to go ahead and live this isolated life through our screens yeah. and it ain't good for us. We're going to have to press into real life and deal with the difficulties of dealing with real face-to-face relationships again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to uh, stretch some muscles that we haven't uh, been using in, in a while. <laughs> I like uh, I liked your um, illustration. Uh, uh, well, your your comparison to the movie The Matrix mm-hmm. and how we tend to avoid pain and, and the reality of of daily life. Uh, flesh that out for us a little bit. What what made you uh, really draw upon that particular movie as a as a good comparison? Well, for any of your listeners who may not have seen it, The Matrix was one of the most awarded films of 1999. And basically, the, it won four Academy Awards. It was really a well-received movie. It's still very popular on IMDb. It's the 16th most popular film of all time out of the thousands listed there. So it was a very innovative film. The plot of the film is that uh, we're 200 years in the future, and uh, artificial intelligence has taken over the world. And it is uh, people's bodies are actually plugged into this giant machine and their bodies are being exploited for energy. But the computer is able to uh, place into each person's brain a uh, computer generated illusion. So people are in the matrix, but they don't realize it. They think they're living in a fairly nice life, a normal life out in the world. And so what the what, what the matrix does is it allows people to think life is their lives are pretty good when in reality, and it allows them to avoid the pain of their actual reality. And I think that's what a lot of people do with their screens is they Mm -hmm. have, you know, unresolved hurts in the past or they have difficult relationships. And it's, it's just a lot easier to plug into a TV show or a video game or to surf the web than it is to deal with the difficulties of real life. Mm -hmm. But of course you're being exploited and you don't realize it. That's what the, the the matrix means. Yeah. I, I thought that was a powerful illustration and, and I loved it that you introduced that concept to, I think it was your son at an early age so that you could have that conversation. Well, you know, I wasn't planning to, but one of the questions he asked me at the end of the movie is, says, dad, how would, how would the computers have tricked people to go into the matrix in the first place? I mean, yeah, who was the question. first guy who got plugged in? Yeah. <laughs> right. and, I, and I said, well, all you would have to do is convince people that they're living in a hellish existence and that you can relieve them of their pain. And person number one would step right up. Now, what's interesting is there's a huge parallel that has developed in the last 20 years. The media has fractured into right-wing and left-wing media. Mm-hmm. And the right-wing media is trying to convince us that we are careening toward godless communism. Mm-hmm. All of our guns are going to be taken away. All of our churches are going to be closed. Mm-hmm. Every child is going to be indoctrinated into alternate sexualities. Yeah. Meanwhile, the left wing media is trying to convince us that America is a hellhole of racist oppression. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing all these horrible things to people. Mm-hmm. And so so what they what they're doing is they're convincing people, hey, you need to avoid real life and go into the matrix. Go watch a movie, you know, go play video games, you know, don't fight for, you know, it, it, it's just it's almost a perfect parallel. Uh, they're, they're trying to convince us to plug into this alternate reality where we don't have to deal with this hellish life. Well, it, the reality of life, I mean, is your town burning down around you? No. Are your people, are your neighbors doing fine? Yeah, they're, most of them are doing okay. 
the, the, the reality we see on the screens is trying to convince us that the world is falling apart. And it's very different than the reality we see in day-to-day -day life. And the question is, you know, what do we believe? And I see so many Christians online who are just like, we're 10 minutes away from civil war. Uh, maybe, probably not. You know, we need, to, we need to stop panicking, take our eyes off the matrix and start doing what Jesus told us to do, which is to love our neighbors and to appreciate the blessings God has given us. Yeah, well said. You know, screens just make all the bad stuff go away. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that's really behind all of this is your desire to see people connecting in real relationships and not allowing the, the screens to sort of sedate everyone or, or like you say, plug into the, the matrix. What I what I also appreciated, David, is it's not just do-it-yourself Christian moralism or some kind of formula for successful, happy Christian living. I, uh, can can you talk about how you uh, know people uh, at a at a personal level and and just maybe remind us of how much better real life is than the the screen that we may prefer to uh, to use real life is an investment it's like it's like anything it's real life is more painful than screen life because you don't exert the level of control over real relationships that you do over the screen world i mean within the screen world you make all the decisions you decide which ideas are going to be tolerated you i, I use the term digital kings and queens we are digital monarchs and within that world, we decide what ideas will be tolerated, what games we'll play, what entertainment options we'll watch. I mean, you click onto Netflix and you can watch a thousand different things. I mean, you really have a huge amount of choice. And the world bends to your will. Then when you go down to the real world, nothing bends to your will. Your car breaks. You've got a, a, a coworker who drives you crazy. You've got kids who won't do their homework. Uh, my, uh, my washing machine's broken right now, David. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just, I would just went a month without a dryer in Alaska, if you can oh, believe man. that. So it's real you life, <laughs> put your clothes out on the line and they freeze. So oh, that's not good. Um, that's not good. But um, the, yeah. So, so you have this screen world where you exert all this control. You have real life where you exert no control or, or almost no control. And so the temptation is to continually bury yourself in your screens because you feel in control within that world. But the, but the, the trade-off is that you're, you're not building the relationship portfolio that you need that will sustain you through real life. You're not investing in people. We're not, you're not loving your neighbor like Jesus told us to do. And so what, what's happening is we're seeing an entire generation. It's just this, this wave is beginning to crest. Less than half of American adults are married now. Uh, a lot of people are living alone into old age. And they report very high levels of loneliness and dissatisfaction with their lives. Well, they made decisions 20 and 30 years before that caused them to be lonely today. They blew up their relational networks and they felt comfortable doing so because they had this screen world that they could retreat into that soothed them. You see, you see the trade-off here? Yeah. All, these, all this peace and ease of life I will give you if, you will, if only you will bow down and worship me. You know, it's, it's almost like the temptation of Jesus. Hmm. You know, just retreat into your screen, you know. 
And screens are a one-two punch. I mean, every major entertainment company has a news division and an entertainment division. The news division gets you all upset, and then they hand you off to the entertainment vision to be soothed. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, it's a diabolical one-two punch, and it keeps us from investing in the things that are going to make a difference in the world and that are, that are going to sustain us and our families as we age and uh, and, and uh, approach older age. You, you used a, a parable of four brothers, mm-hmm. and... Um, and, and as I was uh, going through the, the story of the four brothers, I thought it was a very helpful illustration to know how you know when your screen use is hurting other people. Could you walk us through that just a little bit? Because I think that's one thing that's important for us when we evaluate our own screen use or the, the screen use of other people in our family around us. How do you know when your screen use is actually hurting other people? Okay. Yeah. I don't have this a parable in front of me. I'll do my best to, to relate it to you. It's a short parable. Right. Right. So there were four brothers who lived on a farm and they each uh, worked hard all day and ate what the farm produced, but then the farm fell on hard times and they were all, and they all enjoyed excellent health because of their vigorous lifestyle and the foods that they were eating healthy foods in moderation. Well, then the farm fell on hard times and had to be sold. And so they packed up and they moved to the city. And there they got jobs, which were more sedentary, and they found an exotic array of foods that they never saw on the farm. So the first brother continued to eat the same diet and stay just as active as he was on the farm, and he enjoyed good health. The second brother uh, ate the same foods he ate on the farm, but in much greater quantities because they were much more available. and He began to get fat and uh, lose some of his health. The third brother got into sweets and all these exotic foods and his health declined uh, as well. And then the fourth brother went completely hog wild eating everything. And he got very, very obese and very ill uh, from his new lifestyle. So in this uh, parable, the four brothers represent the four ways we can interact with screens. Brother number one watches screen content, but he does so very carefully. And he does so in moderation. He limits himself to an hour or two a day. The average American uses nine hours of screen time a day. So if you can limit yourself to an hour or even two a day, you're doing much better than most Americans. The second brother who ate the same foods but in greater quantities is the person who watches screen time a lot. Now, he uses wholesome content. He may even be watching Christian content, but he's using it nine hours a day, and it's distracting him from doing the things that God has told him to do because his nose is in his screen. The third brother, the one who found the exotic new foods, is the one who uses the screen for illicit purposes. Maybe he's into some bad things on screen, some some bad immoral screen content, and it's degrading his character and and, uh, ruining his spiritual health. And then the fourth brother is the complete and total screen addict. And that's what most people think I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The numbers of actual screen addicts who are completely beholden to their screens is fairly small. Most of us are either brother number two or brother number three. Either we're consuming good content, but we're, you know, we're doing it too much, or we're consuming bad content and it's degrading our character. So that's, that, that's in a nutshell, that's the, the parable of the four brothers. Yeah, and, and you said, um, well, for, for you personally, you knew that the screen was, was hurting other people because they told you. Yeah, I was brother number two. You know, I fortunately I came of age before online pornography. I've actually never even seen it. I've heard that it's awful. Yeah. 
Uh, but you know, a lot of the the sinful things are, are that I kind of you know I had some discernment by the time that came along, and uh, you know was able to avoid those things. Yeah. However, I was consuming way too much morally neutral content. I was watching too many movies. I was on too many news sites. I was staying over informed, and you know that was causing me to ignore the things around me. Yeah, and and then for some people you know, it's, it's difficult for them to, to have that kind of self-awareness, you, you know, they, um, they're, they're getting lost in their screen. They're over-consuming. Uh, is it just when things fall apart? You know, I, I'm thinking about alcohol addiction and, um, and I've, I've known some functional alcoholics who, um, you know, could carry through their responsibilities during the day and, and then they would drink themselves to sleep at night. So, mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you, what do you do if you're, you know, caught in that kind of trap of, of self-deception and you're just telling yourself, uh, I'm fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, that would be the ultimate test of my book. I would hope that it would be a, a diagnostic tool that will wake some people up. I think a lot of people who are brother number two really do excuse themselves. Uh, You know, they're on Fox News Channel for four hours or they're doom scrolling the conservative web. This is really this is what I see in my Christian friends is they really do spend a lot of time, uh, you know, scrolling these conservative websites. It's called doom scrolling, looking for stories of doom and gloom. Oh, my God, the world is we're just on the edge. We're on the precipice of destruction. Yeah, that's not helpful. No, it, 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 a it's untrue, yeah. and and b all it does is it 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 focuses on things that that we can't affect. Mm-hmm. I liken I liken screens to a pair of binoculars. They focus us on, they focus on things far away. Uh, but what they do when you have your eyes up to a pair of binoculars, you cannot see the things immediately around you. Yeah. Now what what Christians are doing is they're neglecting Jesus's call to love our neighbors because their eyes are not focused on their neighbors. Their eyes are focused on things far away that they really can't affect other than through prayer. So it's fine to be aware of what's going on in the world, but if you're if you got those binoculars up to your eyes 5, 6, 7 hours a day, you're not doing yourself any favors. All you're doing is panicking yourself. Wow. And uh you're you're focused on the wrong things. Well, wow, that's that's great insight. Uh, just a couple more thoughts. Uh, I think this is a great conversation. It's a great topic. Um, as I was going through, uh, it's a, it's a relatively short book and it's uh, easy to read. I, I appreciated the readability of it. You know, it, I, I sat down with it and read it over the weekend. And, and uh, what really uh, <laughs> stopped me in my tracks was section two. Mm-hmm. Uh, section two of your book is a devastating attack on the use of smartphones. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Why not make our homes and churches a no screen zone? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 after I read section two, David, I wanted to gather all the screens in the world and throw them into the ocean before they all kill us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I appreciate your, uh, your summation of section two, I really tried to avoid the gloom and doom that some other, I don't know if you've seen the, the, uh, the social dilemma on Netflix. Yes. Yes. And I was frustrated by it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it really does sound the alarm. I really did not want to be alarming. I don't think yeah. the answer is to bury our screens in the backyard or throw them into the ocean, as you say. 
Yeah. Uh, we just need to be wise and judicious about how we use them. Now, since your podcast goes out to families, I'd like to make a couple of suggestions to parents sure. here. Yeah. The, num the number one thing I tell parents is uh, start a screen plan from a very young age. Even if you don't have children, do a screen use plan. And I'm currently developing one of those. I don't have it on my website just yet, but it will be there soon. It's at davidmurrow.com. And you can go to the screen section of my website and you can see, uh, you can download a free screen use plan and implement it early. Uh, another thing I would say to parents is you never want to give your kids uh, ownership of a screen until they are out of the house. Every screen in the house belongs to you and can only be used with your permission. Uh, you should not put portable screens such as smartphones or tablets into the hands of a kid until he's at least eight years old. And then even then it needs to be locked down. And the reason is, is you do not want, I see kids, you know, two years old with kids tablets. That's like the worst thing you can do because what you're doing is you're training your kids to go to screens the moment they're bored. You're training them not to get out and build a tree fort or get out into the real world or go down a slide or all the things kids do. Oh, I'm bored. I'm going to pick up a screen. You've trained them at a young age to turn to screens for entertainment. You don't want to do that. And then the other thing that I would say is that once your kids do have their own personal devices, maybe after eighth grade or whatever it is, you need to make the time from dinner time on as a screen-free time. So at dinner time, every person takes their personal screens out, puts them on the table, they're collected and put on chargers, and they're done for the night. So your teenagers need to know that their screen time has to come between school and dinner, because at dinner, the screens are going to be put away, and then you've got to have fun things to do. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't like watch a movie as a family. That's actually a great activity. If you've got a good, wholesome uh, movie with a good m message, by all means, you know, put that up on the big 55-inch TV and watch that with your kids. What I'm saying is we need to avoid this, this uh, syndrome that's called being alone together. Uh, Shelly Turkle at MIT identifies this as the tendency of families to each have their own personal screen in the evenings. And everybody retreats to their corner. Billy's on his video game. Sarah's on social media. Mom is scrolling Instagram. Dad's, dad's uh, watching sports on TV. We're all in the same room, but we're totally unaware of each other. And that's preempting the little social interactions that make family dynamics work. So what's, what we're left to do is we're left to criticize each other. If you don't have these moments together where we're just kind of being together, the only thing parents say to their kids is, hey, have you turned in your college application? Hey, have you, why isn't your soccer uh, uniform clean? Hey, have you done your homework? Parents become nags. Because yeah. the only thing we say to our kids is what they're doing wrong. All the other interactions are being preempted by, by screen time. And if that doesn't put the fear of God into you, nothing will. You've got to put the screens away in the evening, plan some, uh, some activities, some interaction, or just be together and, uh, you know, sing or read or just do what families used to do back in the pioneer days it still works and uh i think it'll be a, a you'll be a much healthier family for it that's great advice you said uh, you said sometimes we do need to create a no screen zone uh can you describe the idea of a detox like a screen detox when it when it gets to be kind of that level of, of serious yeah. 
Yeah, so if you know somebody or you're brother number four and screens completely dominate your life, if your life is dominated by fear of what you're seeing on the screen, uh, if you are uh, addicted to video games, video games are particularly addictive, particularly to men, because video games allow us to be powerful in ways that we aren't in real life anymore. We get to be warriors or sports heroes or all the things that, that uh, men don't get to do much anymore. So, or of course, pornography, you know, up to two thirds of men, Christian men struggle with occasional or habitual use of pornography. If any of these things requires an intervention, I highly recommend that you go on some sort of a digital detox. And uh, there, are, if you could just Google digital detox, as I said, I'm building some tools for that at davidmorrow.com. By the time you listen to this, you may be able to find those there. Uh, but uh, yeah, a digital detox would involve anywhere from two to 30 day fast from all digital content. Uh, maybe once a week, you could put a DVD on or watch a movie on a, some sort of a streaming platform. But other than that, you really don't watch any screen content at all. And what that does is that rehabituates your brain to a world that's not constantly entertaining you. One of the things we don't realize is that the way screens occupy our time and occupy our attention is by constantly placing visual novelty in front of us. You know, we're not, we're, our brains are not wired to see new things all the time. If you think about the world most humans have lived in, it's been very monotonous. But with screens, we don't have to live in monotony anymore. We can have novelty pumped into our brains 24 seven. From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, we're seeing new things. And that's very unnatural for our brains. If you go on a digital detox, you're rehabituating your brain to the normal world. The world where scenes don't change every, every three seconds or five seconds. And it's very important that you can function within that real world because within that real world are all the people you love. Uh, within that real world is your job and your career, your future, your church. The, the things that make life worth living are in that monotonous world and you have to be able to function within it. So a detox is one way to get back, get all the screen life out of, get all the novelty out of your uh, field of vision and just get used to the slow, monotonous pace of real life and learn to succeed within that world. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. You know, I, I think a lot of parents uh, listening to this today maybe feel overwhelmed. You, you know, it, it's uh, common for, for us as parents to feel guilty or, or shame or lots of fear. And, and of course, regret is common for a lot of parents. What encouragement would you give to parents who just feel powerless to protect their kids from being swept out to sea by the, by the undertow, as, as you described yeah. in one of your uh, parables? Yeah, there is a very strong undertow. Once you start using screens, it's like any other addictive thing. You use them more and more and more. So for parents that are feeling overwhelmed by these things, uh, you know, it's never too late to put some boundaries, some guardrails in with your kids. And I'm not just talking about immoral content. I mean, Christians have been, we were the outliers for a long time as the sexual revolution washed over the, the country in the 60s and 70s. We were the lone voice in society saying, you know, we don't need to be exposing people to this level of sex and violence and cursing and all these things. So yes, it's still important to protect your children from those sorts of things. And it's getting increasingly difficult because even if you don't have screens, their kids, their friends do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, filters are helpful. Uh, products such as circle and monitoring devices are very important. But then you just, one of the things you need to do is you need to set the expectation that screen life is not where it's at. Screen life can't be the go-to activity when you're bored. 
there has to be crayons. There has, when the kids are little, there has to be uh, Legos. There has to be all these activities that take uh, advantage of fine motor activities. You know, I live in Alaska where winter is six months long. It is very difficult to throw the kids outside, get them in their snow clothes and get them outside. Yeah. Uh, it's just very easy to park them in front of a, of a screen. So, you know, it, it, it's a very challenging thing for parents, but it's, it's worth the fight. It's worth the battle. Every moment you spend looking into your kids' eyes is an investment in their future and your future as well. The book is called Drowning in Screen Time, author David Moreau. You can go to davidmoreau.com and get lots and lots of really great resources. One of the things you uh, included there in your website is a, uh, a, a quiz or an, a self-assessment, I guess, would mm -hmm. be a good way to put it. Uh, tell, the, tell our listeners more about that. Uh, that's another thing that's under construction. Okay. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had a lot of prob technical problems. You know, the screen stuff is hard, but yes, there, will, there will be a 60-question uh, uh, quiz coming very soon, maybe in the next couple of weeks. And uh, you'll be able to take this assessment tool, and uh, you answer these 60 questions, and at the end, it'll spit out a result. You know, which brother are you? Are you the person who's using screens wisely? Are you using them for a good purpose, but too much? Are you using them for illicit purposes that are dragging you down, dragging your character down? Or are you a complete and total screen addict that needs some intervention? And you'll get a score at the end of it. And then from there, I'll have some action steps that you can take, some other resources that you can read, possibly go on a digital detox. Uh, in, the, in the coming years, I'm hoping to be developing some digital detox re, re, uh, retreats for Christians. Back, uh, someday we'll be able to go on retreats again and uh, hoping to be able to uh, be operating in that space. Yeah. I just want to make this my life's work as I, uh, as I head out into my 60s here and uh, really help a lot of people overcome the, uh, the illusion of life that we're getting from our screens and help us focus more on real life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to give you a chance to um, to summarize your, your main takeaway for our listeners. And I, I think that um, for me, I like the summary right at the front of the book on page six. You mm -hmm. said screen time is not particularly hazardous when used by adults in moderation and for noble purposes but screens exert a powerful pull on our time and attention, dragging us deeper into their world without our realizing it. Is there uh, something you'd like to add to that? Or is there a main takeaway you'd like to give with our, uh, to our listeners? Well, no, I think you said it all. It's just, I think you have to be aware of the amount of time. Uh, screen, uh, screen time trackers are tremendously helpful. Um, these are little apps that you can put on your phone. I inhabit the Apple universe and it comes free with the iOS 12, I think. And I'm on iOS 14 now. Mm -hmm. And every Sunday morning, I get a little report on my phone that shows uh, what screen time I used. And it, it summarizes my time, not only over my laptop, but also my phone. Every, every Apple device that I have is included in that summary. Yeah. I find that tremendously helpful because uh, it doesn't, of course, it doesn't have TV watching, but I don't watch a whole lot of TV. But it gives me a good summary, and I would, I would encourage the listeners to go ahead and, as a first step, go ahead and put one of those screen trackers on. If you use an Apple device, it's probably already telling you, or you could just turn it on through the control panel on your phone. And uh, just start very, taking a very sober assessment of the amount of time you're investing in your screens. 
You know, and ask yourself, contrast that to the amount of time you're investing in the kingdom of God. Uh, how much time are you investing in prayer if you're, or maybe Bible reading? The average Christian reads his Bible about 15 minutes every day. Uh, if that, uh, the average Christian is nine hours on his screen. So you're talking about maybe two hours a week in, in, uh, in spiritual pursuits and over 60 hours a week in uh, just doom scrolling uh, social media, watching videos, playing video games, et cetera. So when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, you know, how we give account for our lives, uh, we need to account for our time as well. And I think we need to be investing more of that into things that matter and the things that God has given us to do and less time just amusing ourselves. Well, like I said before, David, I don't like you and I don't appreciate this book at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just call me uh, the Holy Spirit's little buddy here. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate this book. Uh, one more thing for the listeners. I, I think the the specific advice you gave on talking to kids and teenagers about screens is well worth the price of the book. So I encourage everybody to order their copy. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I, I hope that you just are able to share a lot of these insights with a whole lot of people. Yeah, well, and, and in closing, let me just say, I've got an offer on my website. If you go to davidmurrow.com, uh, I'll speak free to any group, any Christian school, uh, any church uh, of, of a particular size, you know, usually, 250 or more, I would say, uh, a church, uh, if you want to bring me in, I will speak for free just for expenses anytime in 2021. It's my gift to the church in this post-pandemic year as we recover from these lockdowns. Yeah. So if you want to take advantage of that, I can also speak free via Zoom, but I'm waiving all speaking fees in 2021 because I just want to get this word out there. So please contact me through davidmurrow.com. We'll talk about it. We can talk about the, the group that you're involved with, and we'll see what we can do to get this message out to you. That's great. Thanks for your time with us today, David. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, and God bless you. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Nathan. This is Pastor Dave Carl, and we're so glad you joined us on another episode of the Parenting Pathway podcast. There's much more to be found on parentingpathway.org. Like, there are many more podcasts. There are many more blogs, and, and there's candy there. There's, there's candy for you at parentingpathway.org. Okay, there, there's, there's, no, there's no candy. I just made that part up. I got excited and I got too... Anyway, thank you. Thank you for joining us again today. And remember, don't do parenting and don't do life alone.